Welcome to the Biz and Mayhem podcast, where we talk about the mayhem in our lives and how to get ahead in business and your life. I'm Tara Parker here with my co-host, Chris Batchelor. Let's get started. All right, Tara, welcome to another episode of the Biz and Mayhem podcast. We got a full show for everybody tonight. And uh, first up is the newsroom. This is the newsroom. Newsroom. Yeah, let's talk. Uh, one of the first things we want to talk about is this uh, this crazy link that you provided. And I think it's uh, Flavatown. Yeah, you know, <laughs> sometimes when you're on your your uh, your Internet feeds at night, uh, you know, the, the feeds just, uh, you know, whether you're on Facebook or Twitter, they just can't help but uh, crack you up. So, <laughs> right. um, apparently there's this, uh, there's this, uh, movement to, to rename, uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, after Flavortown. Cause if you've ever watched his show, you know, he goes, bam, let's go to Flavortown. Right. Well, and uh, who's the, the guy's Guy Fieri. Guy his Fieri, yeah. Guy he, Fieri of Triple D or, uh, diners, drive-ins and dives, which is one of my favorite shows on the weekends. Yeah, he's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, he he's just—he's just a good fun. entertainer, and you know, the show just will bring you to some obscure places. And uh, so, Guy Ferry has the show. Uh, what is it? Diners, drive-ins, and and dives. Yeah, and dives. Yeah, for short, it's Triple D. It, Triple really D. cool guy. He's been all over the country. Been you know in all the fifty states, and uh, been to Wichita a few times, and that's our area. Yep. So yep. he's putting everybody on the map, and now seriously, for real, is putting them on the map. It's, right. They're trying to put it down there. I read this article and thought this is kind of interesting because I thought it was a joke. Flavortown is a, a real town name for Columbus, Ohio. So I thought it had to be a joke, but for real, somebody's going after it. The 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 thing is, they want to they want to rename Columbus, Ohio, because they think that uh, Columbus is uh, is now offensive, right? Right. They're they're trying to I guess trying to erase history to a certain degree because they're saying Columbus and anybody like him from our past is bad. Um, in it's kind of funny because I looked into this and the guy who's trying to change the name of the town doesn't live in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, well, that he, figures. Right. He lives in someplace called Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So oh, he's not even, not there. even in Ohio. No, yeah. it's not even anywhere. It's not even near the place. And so his, I guess, as the, the article said, he's going to have to drive up to Columbus, Ohio with this online petition, um, which I want to hit on that in a second here with these names, these virtual names, and he's going to have to drive up there on the 30th to deliver this and present his case. And he has admitted he has no idea the process for changing a town name. No clue how to do this. I'm guessing that's pretty complicated and it's going to take a lot more than, uh, than a petition. But what's incredible is he's gotten over 25,000 signatures. Oh, it's above that. It's just amazing. Yeah, when I clicked on the link last night, I could have sworn I saw that it was up to like 69,000. But they're online signatures. So does that count? Don't you have to prove signatures with like addresses and an actual wet signature? I don't know. This doesn't seem right. I, I don't know that you need a wet signature. Uh, but of course, I'm not a lawyer, but I, I would think you would at least need to have people that lived in the same uh, area, right? I mean, right. they'd have to either live in Ohio or live in Columbus or, you know, yeah. pay taxes there. I mean, cause some sort you know, of interest other yeah. than this is bad. I, I don't know. This whole thing kind of strikes me as a, not a real serious process. He's a 32 year old. He's from Tennessee. He loves Columbus and he wants to name it Flavortown because it's a culinary, um, big city. I mean, it's known for its culinary cross. I guess the culinary crossroads. That's, that's what the yeah. article actually says. It's heritage as a culinary crossroads. Um, and then they're calling Guy Fieri, um, uh, you know, a national treasure, which I don't know if I'd go that far. I like Guy. I think he's cool. Yeah. I'd sit down and I'd have a meal with him. Um, but I don't know I'd go so far as to call him a national treasure, um, especially since I find that very ironic that they're using a white guy to, you know, label this town when the whole point is racism and slavery. And it's I, I'm just finding that very ironic how that's kind of coming about. So I'm not, I'm not taking it very seriously, but I mean, come on, Flavortown. Flavortown I mean, he has, he has been called the mayor of Flavortown, right? If I remember from watching the shows, I mean, that, that, yes. that gets brought up pretty often, doesn't it? Self-proclaimed mayor of Flavortown, mind you. <laughs> yes. Let me, I watch him for hours on the weekends. Um, 
you know, when I'm on my, when I'm with the guy that I'm dating. And so, yeah, this is, yeah, he's, that's his go-to. And in fact, I think his license plate says Flavor Town as well. Yeah. You know, I think it's some yeah. form of that. So I don't know. I just saw this. He was born in Columbus. So at least he has a, uh, you know, he, at least he has a history there and he's, they just didn't pick some random guy from California <laughs> or something. Cause I would have guessed that's where he though. was born. It wouldn't surprise me if it was some random guy from nowhere that had nothing to do with the town. Let's just name but... it after some rando from right. you know, halfway across the country. <laughs> let's just, let's I mean, just do this the, before. The only beef I really have with all this, I mean, I, I think this obviously started out as kind of a joke with some sort of overtone for why they wanted to change it, you know, right. for the, the racism connection. But um, I, I mean, it just goes to show you how, how much, um, you know, these things can gather when they go viral. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is just an excellent example of, um, uh, you know, a lot of people are bored right now and this yeah. is, you know, getting a lot of attention and something that's feel good that people can get behind and it, it gathers steam pretty quickly. Well, I think it goes back, you know, to that, um, I don't know if they still call it that. I think the, the term is now viral, but that old fashioned 15 minutes of fame. And yeah. you know this guy not having really much to do with this town, he's choosing Flavor Town, and this is all kind of coinciding with the taking down of the Christopher Columbus statue in Columbus, Ohio. So right. I think it's kind of overdoing it, playing off, exploiting what's already going on to get your name out there, and for what you know. And so I, I don't. I think we're. I think we're kind of going off the deep end, and people need to. Maybe it's stop time to stop quarantining people. They're coming up with. with with Everybody needs to leave their house for I mean, three months now. Get out and go to a bar. Go, go de quarantine, please. This is getting crazy, and so, I, I and I don't. I've never heard of any problems in Columbus, you know, with anything with their names until all this, you know, yeah. hoopla started. So, I don't know. I, I, he's. This is a thumbs down for me if we're gonna go into. <laughs> Well, it's a thumb down for me, and and this is the only reason is because I'm mad that we didn't think about this here in Wichita <laughs> because we need a new name. I mean, we need a new identity, right? And we and need you know, we can. I think we can legit claim Flavortown. I mean, you know, we got White Castle that started here. We got Pizza Hut, started, Pizza Hut here. That started here. I mean, come on now, we got we got uh, Freddy's right started yeah, here. It start, yeah. It did start. And, Spangles, and Spangles started, I mean, started close to here. I think it's, it's like, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think Wichita needs a new lease on life. We need to just give it up and just rename the place flavor town. At least we won't be mispronounced. Cause I can't tell you how many times I've heard Wichita, Kansas. Wichita. Wichita. Yeah. Uh -huh. Are you from Wichita? Uh, from and, Wichita? I, and you know what, if, if we, if we named it flavor town, there's a place downtown that's you know near the old Chicago there in Old Town. That would be perfect to put a huge bronze statue of Guy Ferrari. <laughs> he was there. Flavor Town. He now we have a national that. treasure. Now he's right in front of that big fancy Warren Theater yes. or the Regal Theater now, since since they got sold the, the yeah. downtown theater. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just mad that we didn't think of this. I, I really think we need to change the name of Wichita. I'm I'm tired of Wichita. Let's fight him for it. How about that? Let's, I mean, you know, we can always just it. call it Flavortown and then typical yeah. Midwest thing. They'll just start calling it Flavortown after a while. I mean, so. we got air capital of the world. So if we can take on that nickname, surely we can bring Flavortown in as well. We can we can do this. Right. We can I'm, do it. I'm all for that. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Awesome. All right. Next up on no. the newsroom, we've got Chaz the Crazy. What is this? I looked at this, and it's a Facebook link. What is this? What? Yeah, so this is a great video. Um, and remember that Chop Zone in uh, Seattle? You know, okay. the, the area that they cordoned off, and it's the protesters took over the six square yeah. city blocks. So this guy goes out, and he kind of does like an interview on the street thing, you know? And he goes... Uh, you know, and he's right there by these, you know, you know, these border, you know, the the big barricades that they put up. And yeah. he goes, you guys believe in border walls? And he goes, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, you got to have border walls, you know. And it's and it's all the uh, the stuff that the uh, the left is supposedly against that they have. And he, you know, showcases you to these guys walking around with machine guns and things like that. And, you know, I shouldn't say machine guns. I should say, <laughs> I should say, you know, rifles. But, right. uh, you know, I mean, so they're, I mean, it's just absolutely entertaining. It just takes the whole um, you know, a, a lot of these points that, that the left is, is really adamant about, and man, it just kind of spins at 180 and goes, oh, well, well, you have borders, you know, you got to keep people out. Right. And the guy's going, oh yeah, yeah. yeah you gotta, gotta keep that. people out, you know? Oh, if, so. if, if we need a tape recorder for these people to go back and listen to, to hear themselves. 
Well, that, that's exactly what this video is. I mean, you know, if you watch this video and you have, you know, any sort of intelligence at all, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It, oh, my goodness. That's funny. Yeah, this is the first time I've really seen this. And I just I sat there and I thought, what What and if you if you're listening to the show, you need to go check out this link. Because you, if you've not seen it before, it's like you're not making any sense. This doesn't you're OK. You enjoy yourselves, whatever you're doing. Have fun doing it. <laughs> And, and the guy's name is is what is it charlie kirk here Let's see. Uh, I think so. yeah yeah charlie kirk um and I've, I've i've seen him talk about some things and i i enjoy his view i can get behind him on some things um i think he did one where he debunked the um he, he made a presentation on um debunking systemic racism and that sort of thing and right. so he is a conservative and he's a republican um i think he has a pretty devout um religious um uh, he's whatever religion it is. I know he's a Christian, but I don't know which de domination or denomination or whatever it is that he right. is following, but he incorporates a little bit of that into his videos. If this is the same guy I'm thinking of, and he makes sense. I mean, yeah. um, now the, the one thing I don't really um, get behind with him is I haven't seen him use too many data points. Like I've seen Candace Owens and, um, right. you know, yep. Frank Harris Jr. And so yeah. it's, he's fun to listen to if you're the emotionally driven person, because he's, right. He, he makes some really good arguments on that. And so um, this is right up. It didn't surprise me. This was from him at all. Yeah. So, so the guy that posted it was Charlie Kirk and uh, it, the guy, the guy's name doing the video that was Benny Johnson Yeah. Uh, visited Chaz and asked these leftists why they suddenly love guns and walls. So <laughs> it made me chuckle. Them. Hello. Now yeah. they need them. You know, you only, it, you only want it when you need it. It, it definitely, uh, it definitely made me chuckle, but he, you know, they do show some scenes from inside that chop area that, you know, mm -hmm. is, I mean, the graffiti's everywhere and people are, I mean, just living in disgusting conditions and, right. uh, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, that, that sort of thing's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah, no, not really. And another uh, crazy news, uh, we're worried about Aunt Jemima, or Aunt Jemima, if you're <laughs> from a different part of the country, right. New England slipping out there. Um, I, I, this is another thumbs down for me, and if we're going to do this kind of rating system, um, which I think we probably ought to, but um, I really hadn't seen this until you posted this link, so I'm, I'm, I've turned off national news, and I just do kind of my searching on internet and whatever ads I see and whatever sounds interesting or if I heard something in passing. So this was news to me. I didn't realize we we're going after the different brands. Of yeah, food. Oh yeah. And yeah, it's, it's going deep right now. And, and, you know, shocked. the sad thing is I, I didn't, I mean, uh, I learned about Aunt Jemima cause I didn't know. I just thought it was a brand, you know? Yeah. Um, but apparently the real Aunt Jemima was a, a, a gal who was a slave and then, um, she got her freedom and then she became a, a wealthy entrepreneur, you know, basically doing uh doing her thing so i mean if anything it should be someone who celebrated and not uh it's you know insane. taken off because well, yeah i mean it's, uh, she's come she she rose up to success after defeating slavery if you want to look at it that way i mean yeah and i would think that would be something to celebrate and if well, it's a, yeah. you know if you were uh you know if if you can't if you can't celebrate that i mean in this country what can you celebrate i mean yeah so i don't uh, i i don't get it i i would you know those things are out there and they should be boosted and celebrated and i mean stop taking down the the statues of other people put a statue of her up she's got great syrup oh yeah I mean, well, let's, let's and a fantastic a story. I mean, more yes. than just the, you know, the, 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 the product that it's become the commodity, but the story behind the brand is, is fantastic. And, yeah. uh, you know, she, you know, she's, she's got a lot to teach people. I mean, uh, she, not anymore. She's obviously passed away a long time right. ago, but her story yeah, like has a lot to teach people. <laughs> yeah. right? We're taking some of this stuff and we are going way out on a limb with it. Uh, and yeah. you know, I mean, there's some of this stuff that, that needs to be talked about, but there's others like this. It's kind of like, you know, if anything, you should be celebrating the story, yeah. not demanding that they change their name, you know? Right. If, and I, they, you know, I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought that up because if you don't know the story and you demand a change, are you really that well, are, you're coming, you're coming from an ignorant standpoint, in my opinion. Well, it's an and, emotional and, one for sure. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's, and it, I think that kind of devalues or not devalues, but it discredits you in your stance. If you don't know what you're talking about, you're not educated in it. And all you're saying is I'm offended because she looks like a slave and she's on a, she's on a food product. 
that doesn't that doesn't hold water with me. I don't know. Right. I just I'm not I, I, thumbs down. I don't know. This isn't working for me. But <laughs> I mean, I, and, I mean, I put it in here because I thought it was ridiculous, and it's it certainly something to talk about. I mean, um, like like I said, I mean, I th I think some of these stories, you know, have a lot of good to teach people, and um, I, I'm a big believer that if you completely erase your history, you're going to repeat it, right? So. Yes, um, I actually wrote that. I, I don't really, notes, yeah. I don't, I don't really believe that we should be completely erasing our history. I think we should, we should teach it and teach it truthfully and and yes. you know own up to it, um, you know. But but I don't think we should erase it because you know when you erase it, you you give that opportunity for that evil to to come back. Uh, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, there's already people out there in 2020 that deny that the Holocaust ever happened. I still... Uh, I mean, I, isn't that crazy? Yes. I mean, I'm, there's nuts. I didn't realize, you know, when I had, you know, stepped on that for just a moment, when I'd heard Holocaust, it didn't happen. I didn't... I For some reason, I had not connected the Holocaust being the genocide of Jews by Hitler. And when I put that all together, I'm like, how can you possibly deny that? I don't... Where... But like you said, when you if you ignore the past and you erase it, you're literally doomed to repeat it. And that's a saying somewhere by somebody famous, I'm sure. So this yeah. is, I, yeah, I don't stop erasing the past. Let's bring out other parts of the past to balance out what probably needs to be balanced. I'm sure there's a lot of extra things we could be pulling out of. There's more statues and more memorials we could be putting up for other people that made really big changes in the course of history. Let's stop. The eraser's done. Stop using it. Well, and if you go back and look at, you know, pre-Holocaust, I mean, Hitler and, and, and the, uh, the Nazi regime, I mean, they, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of the things that they did, you know, was they took over the media and they drove the, the narrative and then they, you know, they really took over how the kids were educated and, and what the kids were taught and uh -huh. um, see what you, you did know, there. <laughs> there's a lot of parallels to what's going on yes. here. And, yes. uh, and, it, and it's not that far of a leap to say, you know, the Holocaust in time didn't happen that far, that long ago. Right. I mean, it's, no. I mean, we are just now getting to where, um, there's very few survivors left because they're getting old enough and, and passing oh. away. Right. Um, right. but that's really, you know, just two generations ago. Uh, but they're sharing their story when the, the survivors, the, the lone survivors that are still around, they're sharing their stories and they're not, I mean, granted they're fairly old, but they share their stories to bring about that awareness and add to that, that knowledge factor. And so it's, it, it, so, so many people do take the Holocaust in with a, a sensitive um, feel to it. And they are, people are very compassionate about that because these people are coming through saying, we literally experienced this. Right. And I think there's something to be said now, as, as you point out, there's not going to be too many of those survivors left for much longer. And you know, what happens then? Do, does, do the, the following generations, do they have to have a say in what and how we utilize that history and those that, that? Well, I, yeah, I think that's an uh, interesting question. I mean, um, you know, certainly with the advent of, of modern media, you know, where you have, um, you know, motion pictures and audio mm -hmm. recordings and, you know, movies and things like that, you can, you can, even though that generation may have completely passed you can still teach that history and show it in a very um you know realistic way where it's more than just words written in a book i mean yeah um the, the sad thing is that there have been genocides since the holocaust right yes um you know and, and so uh you know just because that happened uh doesn't mean we're gonna completely erase it but i think that right. you know like we talked in our show about racism uh, when you talk about these things and bring them to light, they're they're much less likely to grow mm -hmm. uh, in the darkness, right? So I, I think to me, um, teaching our history is very important, and and teaching an accurate representation of our history is important, and not just a yeah. politicized one either. Well, and teaching it doesn't sensationalize, and it doesn't glorify, and it doesn't celebrate it. Teaching it is trying to learn from it. It's identifying that this occurred. Let's not repeat this by moving forward to the next step together. And right. I think we're definitely, um, thanks to mainstream media, and I am going to point the finger here, I think we're definitely missing that mark. We, The media could be doing a great service to everybody by providing information and knowledge and experts who have these the, this education to share. And, and instead, we are, we're sensationalizing and we're making popular and we're trending riots and 
abusive, violent behavior between one another over something that happened to people that are no longer existing. Their, their children, grandchildren, great grandchildren are here with us. Right. But I think we, I, I think we are missing a really great learning opportunity here, sadly. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but, um, you know, I mean, let's be honest in the, the, mainstream media created the uh, environment that allowed Trump to get elected. And as mm-hmm. much as they hate Trump and they, they want to, you know, poo poo all over him. I mean, they created the environment that allowed him to get elected. It is that simple. There, there is no other way of putting it. And, and the hate and the, and the one-sidedness of the mainstream media um, created a vacuum that, that allowed Trump to step up and, and, you know, if, if he had tried to run, um, you know, I mean, Trump's a smart dude. I mean, yes. he's talked about wanting to be president for a long time, and he basically just waited until the time was right and the environment was right, right. and he kind of slid into home base there. Yeah, very wisely so. I agree. He's he's intelligent. I wish they would take away his phone and his microphone. I'm just saying. That <laughs> no was the tweeting only- on the toilet for you, Mr. <laughs> president. <laughs> really I'm need sorry. for him to stop communicating and just follow the script that his writers write for him, but... I mean, he didn't get to where he's at because he's a dumb man. He knows what he's doing. He knows business. He's done some really great things. Having said that, I know people don't like him, and that's okay. You don't have to like him. Just because you support somebody doesn't mean you agree with everything they do and say. Our children are great examples of that. There's all kinds of things that people do in your life that you don't really care for and you wouldn't do yourself, but you can support the the ultimate, the bigger picture. Um, And so I, yeah, thanks, media. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, the thing that I struggle with, with the media is, and, you know, as I've mentioned before, I'm, I'm actually going for a degree in media psychology, which is basically the study of how, um, media and interacting with the media affects, you know, your, your brain, um, and, you know, and, and how you think and, and how you feel. Um, but, uh, I really don't know how the media is going to recover from all this. I mean, it, it's, it seems like it's very easy to go to the extremes, uh, but it's very hard to come back to the center. Yeah. And and my prediction is that the media in the next 20 years is going to experience um, legislation, which is something they've yeah. never had to deal with. Yeah. And I think we're going to, as you see um, some of this younger generation that's conservative, uh, they're going to be tired of hearing the one-sided story and they're going to legislate good journalism. Yep. And uh, I, I think that's coming. And I don't think it's coming today or tomorrow, but um, I would say within the next 20 years, we're probably going to have legislation on on the media and it's you know it's going to be a big fight because of free speech right um but i I, there are certainly ways that you can do this without impeding free speech i mean right uh you know you just can't go yell fire in a in a in a crowded theater right um and, and i think it comes down to just setting up some basic rules about what is journalism and what are our opinion pieces and distinguishing between the two Yep. Well, it wasn't that long ago. And I'm sure you can remember as kids, the news was boring. It was literally yeah. black and white, boring. It was hard to watch. Our parents watched it to keep kind of in the know of things because they didn't right. get information any other way. It was and almost monotone. You had Walter Cronkite there. No opinions, no emotions, no nothing. And as a child, you're just like, please hurry to prime time. Please yeah. just, and you, you try not to, you fell asleep through it. And then you get all the morning shows and it's, it, it's just ratings. I've I, that's yep. why I turned off national TV, national news medias. I can't. I, the only one I can stomach is Fox. And that's because some of the characters they have on their um, their shows. I enjoy listening to them because they're they can be funny, but um, they still it, all news media swings one way or another. There's no real balance to any of it. And I think you're right. I think these um, they're going to get a rude awakening before too long, and uh, things are going to change drastically. And we're going to go back to black and white media. Well, there's a, there's a great uh, chart out there and I'd have to dig it up, but it shows all the different media brands and it shows kind of where they are on the left or right spectrum. And there's very few um, media outlets that are truly in the middle. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're either, le- you know, they're either far left, far right. There's some that are a little left. There are some that are a little, a little right, but there's very few in that very center spot. And, and really they should all be mostly clustered around that center, you know, of being, um, you know, unbiased. And so, yeah. uh, you know, I, I mean, people like hearing things that they agree with. Right. So that's why I think these far extreme, uh, left or far extreme, right media outlets, you know, they get a lot of, uh, 
you know, they get a lot of hits and, and they sell a lot of advertising because mm-hmm. people like hearing what they like hearing, oh, you yeah. know, and it's, it's comforting and it's easy. Um, well, you know, think- our, our brains have to spend extra power to hear something that we don't agree with. Well, they have no coping skills. And I know we've gotten way off the subject here, but they have no coping skills to yeah. hear somebody disagree with them. They were, you know, the, the helicopter parent, or as my son puts it, and this is not an official term, the lawnmower parent. That's that. Parent yeah, that well, that's up. a, that's a term. Yeah. Is it? I hadn't heard it yet. Oh, yeah. I yeah, yeah. I no, you didn't come up with it. It's a, <laughs> it's a term out there. Oh, then he's spot on because he's, I mean, that's why he gets so frustrated with some of the kids in his age. I mean, he's a kid, he's almost 20 now, but he just can't fathom. How do you, how do you guys not be okay with dis- not disagreeing? You know, how do you, it just, it blows his mind. Um, but, it, and I think that does come from some of the parenting tactics out there, not to offend anybody with those tactics. Some of them do work, but I think you can overdo it. And this is kind of what we're seeing the, the result of some of that, along with some other personal choices, of course, it's not all the parenting. I'd, sure. I'm not behind that, but oh my yeah, God, we need to. We're definitely way down the rabbit hole, but I uh, need to move on. I want to talk about Zuckerberg and Facebook. You go, girl. <laughs> I am. Talk about the Zuck. <laughs> So what's Zuck up to? Is he, he is he is, stopped wearing his blue hoodies or is yeah. he still is he still uh, who knows what he's, he's it's probably photoshopped whatever he's in I don't know, but uh, there's this the check out the link it's um he is saying that Facebook is going to what is that it says Mark Zuckerberg announces Facebook will now allow users to turn off political ads what I call shenanigans this can't be Facebook cannot it's not going Facebook doesn't give you power over anything let alone ownership. So I looked into this and what they're talking about doing is turning off all political ads if you want them turned off, but they're going to encourage voting. So I find this interesting because I don't think anybody can disagree that Facebook definitely leans left. They're not, they are not at all centered. They're not balanced. Definitely left. Facebook and Google and all of Silicon Valley is very left leaning. And so this is saying they users can turn off ads about political, social, and and electoral issues from political candidates. And I'm literally reading this right off the the article. Um, but they will encourage voting. They'll tell you how to vote. If you're voting by mail, if you're going in person, they'll give you all the details on that. And I kind of call shenanigans on this one because it's like, well, first off, you didn't push political ads equally to begin with. So something somewhere and probably in Congress got him in trouble for not balancing um, their their ads and their algorithms and whatever stuff they use. But they are um, they're they, the article says they're working to combat foreign interference on its platform. Um, so they're tracking and taking down malicious accounts and things like that. And this this is to help with um, that turning off the political ad thing if you want it turned off. And it's like, well, if you but can you choose? Can you just have the the ads from your political party, or is it all or nothing? And that, that kind of makes me wonder. People are going to get creative. We've seen it. They get bad creative when they're left to their devices. Yeah. How are they going to do this? How are they going to market on Facebook, one of the biggest, if not the very biggest, monster social forum out there? How are they going to get reach audience? How will these? How will Trump? Like he can reach anybody through Facebook all that well without negative PR. Or Biden or whoever, how are they going to reach the audience if they don't have access, if people can turn off Facebook political ads? Well, I think, I mean, you know, if you look at Facebook, they're a business, right? And and they yep. don't think they do anything that isn't business oriented. And yep. I mean, they're, they're not stupid. They're in this to make money off their platform, which, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, if you and I own Facebook, we would do the exact same thing, right? And I think they got a lot of feedback that said, I'm really tired of all the politics on Facebook. I just want to see my friend's kittens and, you know, my kids. <laughs> you know, pictures and things like that. Uh, Can I talk off the personal political ads then? The ones that my friends are griping about whoever, for whatever the political day. Yeah. My guess is you won't be able to turn those off, but you can control the advertising that you drive to people. So I'm, my guess is this came out of feedback of people leaving Facebook and they said, well, how would you, you know, how can we get you to come back? Because I know a lot of people that have just literally, like you said, you turned off the news they've turned off the social media until after this election and they do it every election year. Right. And so I think this is maybe a way for, for Facebook to say, no, come back. We won't show you as much dirty, nasty stuff about each, you know, each candidate. Well, I guess in in 2018, that's just two years ago, they, Facebook had to remove 3.3 billion fake accounts. 
And yeah, then I but, but you know, I, I, I think I think if you were to look at the statistics, you know, the fake accounts probably go up right before the election year. Sure. But but I would venture that there's quite a few fake accounts that get turned off all the time. And and I don't know, you might see an uptick near the elections, but uh, I don't sure. think that, you know, the election happens and the fake accounts go away until the next election cycle. I think they're always there. It's time to work that career and lift and push and lift and push. You got it. Now harder, lift and push. It's the career workout. In this segment of career workout, I wanted to talk about using a planner and organizing your day. And uh, and I used to be an avid user of the Michael Hyatt's uh, full focus uh, planner. And uh, it's basically, there's several ways you can do it, but the most popular way I think is you basically go in and, and get a subscription to his planner uh, system and you get a new planner in the mail and it's like once a quarter, they send you a new planner. And the, the book that they send you is, you know, it's about an inch thick and it, and it has enough pages to do uh, basically a quarter and there's uh, different sections in it. So there's ways to plan for goals. Um, there's like a rolling quarter section. Uh, there's, you know, important dates, things like that. But, but the, the heart of the system is a daily page that you fill out and you actually write in your schedule every day. And it's got, you know, lines for each hour so you can plan your day out. Um, and then it's got an area for, you know, things to do. Um, but the, the system that he has, has, uh, basically three major to do items. And then it has a bunch of others, uh, you know, places that you can write it, write down smaller to do items. Right. Um, and, and his thing is you want to pick out three things every day that you want to focus on and really get done that oh. day or work on that day. Um, and so he's got lots of videos out there and he shows you how to use his planner system and it's really kind of neat. But, um, I mean, I just wanted to talk to you about what your experience is with that because, um, you know, I used to use that planner, uh, you know, every day I used it for about two years. Uh, and then, you know, I started using my iPad more and, right. I, and then I got into this thing where, you know, I was kind of using a mix of a digital iPad and a, and a paper planner and, you know, it kind of got to be a little overwhelming. Um, so now I'm really, um, you know, I'm really back to just using my iPad and I have a page that I've made up in my good notes where I can write down, you know, sort of the similar daily planner thing. Um, but I no longer buy a subscription, but I thought it would be helpful for other people because if you have a lot going on and you need to plan, uh, things and make sure that you stay focused on what you're doing, if you've got a lot going on, this is a fantastic system and I, I might go back to it someday, but I really got tired of just carrying around the book and my iPad or in my iPad or in a laptop kind of thing. So, uh, I don't know what's your thoughts on a planner and, and do you use one and how do you use it? And typically I like planners. I like to write things down. Once I've written it down, it is imprinted in my head. So I, I do naturally remember it that way. The phone is, which it's kind of funny because the, to me, the phone is a pain to put anything in my calendar. Now the perk to that is I can put in, you know, a location of something and the location magically pops up through GPS. And if I need help, I can just click on the link and I can find my way there when I'm t it's time to go. But I, I like to have things written down and I, I like to see it. And so anytime I have a digital calendar, I can see the whole month. I like to see a, the bigger picture at a time. And so I do miss having the opportunity to write things down in my book. And being a female, I can carry a purse without being looked at funny. Um, so if I could find something small enough to put in my purse, I would go back to writing it down because I do miss that. I can yeah. make notes all the time because I'm a note taker. I like having things written down. And then I love the feeling of scratching things off as they're completed. I like breaking projects down, but I like to see it all visually. So I know I've seen this before. Um, and it's been really interesting to me. And I just kind of forgot all about it. Cause like I said, you, you carry one device. And then one thing I'd like to be is efficient on top of everything else. And so right. if I can put it in my phone. That's great. I'd like that. I can talk to Siri or Alexa and I can get, you know, them to, to jot things down for me. Um, but you got to keep the thing charged up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You do use it for entertainment purposes as well, which will eat your battery quickly. Yeah, um, it does. Yep. So it's, I, I miss having just the ability to write something down in my planner. And then, you know, if I need to look it up, I don't, and that's the great thing. You can look it up really quick and find it in the book, but in your phone, if that app crashes, you kind of start getting frustrated because of the, the functionality. And I, you know, we get so driven by easy access and convenience that we forget how simple, you know, writing something down in a planner would be. So I would, I would love to go back to a planner and just write everything down. And, um, 
it is overwhelming to have something that will contain an entire year. So going quarter by quarter, that's, I think that's a really in interesting idea. And that's, that would, that piques my, my interest. I'd, I would try it for, I'd get off my calendar and everything else. If I could write, you know, things down quarters at a time, that would be really cool. Well, part of his plan is he's got, um, you know, this rolling quarters thing and he wants you to take a, a quarterly, uh, I forget what he called it, but he basically wants you to take a day every quarter to go back and reflect on the past couple of months yeah. and sort of plan out for the future. Right. Um, and so that's something that I've got on my calendar. Well, I should say I had on my calendar before Corona was a big a-hole and come and wrecked all of our plans. Right. But you know, my plan was this year was to do a quarter each, each year, uh, a quarter, uh, you know, one day each quarter where I basically just took a day off from work, you know, drive to Kansas city or drive to Dallas or go to Colorado for the weekend, take that Friday and, and use that as my quarterly day to plan and, and reflect. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, you mentioned planner size, the standard planner is about, if you take a piece of paper and you fold it in half a standard yep. piece of paper, it's about that size. Uh, but they've now come out with a pocket planner, uh, which is a little bit smaller. So that might fit better uh, for okay. your life, you know, in a purse kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like the size of the original planner because it has a, on the left side, it has your calendar for the day, you know, so you can write down your, your, um, you know, meetings or calls or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then it has a space for your tasks. And then it also has a page on the, on the other side for notes. Um, oh, and so that was always a great place to take notes and then go back and look at things. So, um, yeah. And one thing I noticed was it, it becomes overwhelming digitally. Um, because, uh, and that's why I started writing stuff down in my good notes instead of trying to use all these different apps, because, um, you know, if you have one app for the tasks and you have another app for notes and you have another app for the calendar, it's all kind of disjointed. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but the planner kind of ties it in together, which makes it really nice. And I've right. debated going back to the paper version, but, um, you know, my day-to-day -day routine at work now is so unpredictable. It's hard to plan anything. See, yeah, I'm a planner. I like to know what I'm doing, when I'm doing it, how I'm doing it. So that's why I miss having the written down stuff. I knew point A to point B what you're doing. And yeah, oh, I, I like to plan. Don't get me wrong. I love to plan, but you know, my days are just so overwhelmed with people running into my office or some random thing happening. <laughs> I almost feel like some days it's useless to plan, you know? Right. Yeah. No, they, I, I have those days too. And I think those are the days that I'm most frustrated with because I, I like to have that routine. So I, I mentally know where I'm at in the day. And yeah. uh, especially if you can, it's kind of nice to go back to your planner and see that, oh yeah, I'm on track for my day. I'm not behind. I'm I'm doing good. We're, we're going to finish the day off the way we should. And then yeah. like I said, somebody wants to get your attention. And you know, we've talked about how well I appreciate, you know, people just walking into your life and, hey, let mm -hmm. me have your attention. And no, get on my planner, write yourself into my planner and I'll see you later. <laughs> so what, what's your thoughts on the, uh, you know, taking a, a day every quarter to kind of reflect and plan? I mean, do you do something similar to that or? Yeah, I try to. It's hard to do that when you have a digital application to work from, but um, I am, I'm, I at my desk at home and my desk at work, I, t I constantly take notes anyway. And so I'm able to go back through my notes and look at things and um, cause I'll write things in specific places on a piece of paper and it's usually in the side margin or at the top of the page or it's circled. There's something to draw attention to it. So I won't throw that piece of paper away. And so I do right. like to from time to time, go back and say, oh yeah, that was a mental note I took. I wanted to write a blog about that, or I wanted to um, do some collaborative work or I wanted to create this or, you know, so I do try to do that. Cause I, I think that's important to kind of keep reminding ourselves of where we're coming from, coming from, um, and the, the history that we're creating for ourselves so that we don't repeat it if we want to play back on some of our previous segments. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> I do think that's important. Um, and I think it's a, a good example to set for others around us too. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, when I was using the planner, I would, I would go back, you know, every couple of months when I got a new one and I would kind of flip through the old one. And it really is amazing, you know, how far you go uh, without realizing mm -hmm. it, you know, and having yeah. it written down in the planner just makes it that much easier to go back and, kind of pat yourself on the back. Cause, um, I know my personality, I know, I, th I think you're a little bit of the same way is that I, I, you know, I'm always trying to push forward and I never want to look back. Right. And so sometimes for me, it's, it's nice to go back and look, well, look how far I've come, you know, because yeah. I don't think we, uh, compliment ourselves enough. You know, a lot no. of times, uh, we just, you know, our personalities are, you know, we're looking forward and we're not looking back. 
and we, you know, we forget where we started from. Career fail of the week. I've been talking with some people at my work, some mentors I'm trying to connect with to further my own career. I just finished my master's program. So I'm kind of, I thought I would coast for a little bit and kind of sit still. And I realized, uh-huh. nope, I need to be doing something. I need to grow from this. I got this big milestone hit. Now I need to use it. So I've been. Hey, hey before you get started, did you hear about Jan? Oh, my <laughs> God. See, there you have is. got to hear Doing this story. He's doing it again. Uh, oh, wait. Are we gossiping? That's not <laughs> what we're not we're supposed to do, to. right? Yeah, that's yeah. a no-go. Big no-no. Big so, no-no. Yes, and that's exactly it's so where much I fun. It's not. I don't. I no. I got gossiped about too much growing up, so maybe that's why I don't find it fun. They've gossiped oh, maybe. about me. <laughs> no, but I was. I've, I've been sharing some experiences with some of these other women that I've been talking to, and one of the biggest problems I've had because I'm culture driven, I'm relationship driven, and so things um, trying to create a good atmosphere is is important to me. And one of the right. things I have struggled with in terms of some of my previous supervisors is gossip. And I haven't met anybody yet that said gossip was a good thing at work. Um, but that's one of the things that if you want to see your career go downhill fast, be a gossiper. Uh, there are people that do start rumors and, mm-hmm. the, and the management team kind of has those names figured out of who the rumor mill people are. And so, you know, when there's things coming up, you know, when, Maybe we're not sure about what's going to happen, you know, with, uh, mm-hmm. with things. Well, well, what did so-and-so say, you know, and, and we'll kind of right. gauge the, uh, what the temperature on the street is by the rumor mill, you know? So right. uh, I just wanted to point out that, you know, gossip and rumors are, you know, they're all kind of in the same universe, I think when it yes. comes to that sort of stuff. Right. They are. And the best rumor is the one that you don't pass, you know, just, That's right. and you always, you always hear them. There's always the water cooler talk, the donut box talk. There's always something going on. And so, did you see that? <laughs> Do you see the, they no the second donut? <laughs> it's, it's, so it's it's one of those things I definitely try to steer clear from, and I learned that in one of my previous um, employers, where my own boss was gossiping about their own team, and it would be personal items, things that they had gone to to confide in in their in, their, in our supervisor to gain. Yeah, some that totally insight. destroys a team. Oh, it does. And so what was ironic is I was brought on to help kind of mend some of these relationships because the supervisor couldn't figure out how did this happen? Why don't they like me? Duh. Well, you're kind of the the example of what not to be. Okay, it, I'm going to be disappointed if you didn't tell the supervisor in the Atlantis Morissette, isn't that <laughs> ironic? <laughs> isn't that ironic? Don't you think? <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> you know you you know you're not going to be able to not think about that now. I'm not now, yeah, it's going to come out now. <laughs> but that was one of the things that um, I've always I learned to downplay very quickly because I learned how um, spreading rumors, spreading gossip, spreading information that's not that's personal information, not truly work related and not constructive in a positive way can really hurt your career. And one of the things that my former supervisor had said, they were she and another individual were getting ready to have a conversation and they had somebody pegged they had a target for this conversation and they realized i was within earshot and they said oh you can't talk that way tara doesn't like that kind of talk (sighs) you're the example of what the kind of talk should be yeah and and sadly this she had gained a reputation for that kind of thing which was really really bad and mm-hmm. so eventually that did get her. I mean, she, she had a, a leadership position and it did take her down. And so wow. her team didn't want to work for her. She couldn't figure out why productivity was not coming around. There's all kinds of um, inner details that, you know, I really can't share here, but it destroyed the team to the point where they're now having to rebuild the entire team from the ground up and figure out who should be working where, who should be doing what, how did these right. problems get so jacked up? And well, so it sucks to be them. Oh yeah, yeah. There's they they continue to struggle to this day. I I still have good contacts over at that particular employer, and they're still trying. You know, they they lost Did all you hear their. What leadership. Tara said? Yeah, I'm sure that's happened several times. <laughs> I get but this to- article you've got here has some good points, right? Uh, yeah. It says author gossip does a lot of damage. It talks about it destroys trust. It hurts yeah. feelings, undermines yeah. credibility, uh, and it brings down the morale. Yep. And disrupts the workplace. Yep. It, it terrorizes a, a work culture all the way around and that undermining the credibility. If 
you know, so often we want to be taken seriously and it doesn't matter, you know, who you are, what you are, how you identify yourself. You want to be taken right. seriously at work. And if you feel like you already struggle with the details and functions of your job, and then you had gossiping to that or rumor mill to that, that list of um, qualities, so to speak, you're mm -hmm. really putting yourself out there to fail miserably and you only have yourself to blame. And right. so that, I think it's really important to bring this up and I'll probably bring it up several more times in the, in the upcoming episodes that, you know, if it's not about you, if it doesn't help the productivity, if it doesn't help build somebody up, doesn't help develop, you know, those around you and it doesn't help the organization reach their goals, shush, just right. don't, uh, don't pass it. And if it's something, now there are certain things that get around that you should probably take to your supervisor and say, Hey, just so you're aware I've heard this a couple of different times and you don't need anything done with it, but sometimes the supervisor needs to know what that rumor mill is, what's happening. And that's a good way to get it stopped is by taking it back to the supervisor and letting them kill it. Unless the supervisor is the rumor mill. And then that would be the one yes, that, that would be problematic. In which case um, I failed at that when I should have gone to the HR department and I didn't. So I learned from that. So when it happened later on, yeah. I didn't take it to HR. I, I learned, I learned from that. Um, but yeah, just don't do it. It's silly. It's, it's, it's so immature. It doesn't help anything. Just don't do it. It's one thing if somebody's hurting themselves and there's a danger zone, but most times just get your coffee and go back to work. Yeah. Don't just, just don't do it. Hey, did you see Jones brought in donuts? <laughs> You're going to keep doing this. <laughs> I bet. I bet he messed up that report again and he's just bringing in donuts. So people don't rat him out. <laughs> I could do just... this all night. This is so much fun. <laughs> and it's, when it's by fictional people, it's even better. <laughs> I don't oh, know anybody named no. Jones. I know. It's... I've been sitting yeah. here the last five minutes trying to think of people that I don't work with. <laughs> and Jones is one of them. Junie. Jones is one of them. Like there's a bunch of names I can't use. I know, because if, if anybody listens that has that name, we're in trouble. You're like, hey, you talked about us on your podcast, man. We're not That's talking not to you fair. anymore. I really want to talk about Jones, though. <laughs> no, you're going to get us in trouble. I heard he parked out. in the boss's spot again. That's why he brought in donuts. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The madness. Oh, oh yeah. I could do this all night. Yes. There's no doubt. I can. No. Just... <laughs> Hey, Don't speaking of madness, yes. <laughs> you want to change the subject? I'm trying to segue here. All right, let's segue to media madness. <laughs> Welcome to media madness. Media madness. Yeah, what have you got? You have something interesting. It's. I thought I had some long titles, Chris, but seriously, you're trying to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hey, Brene I... Brown like did herself one hundred percent with this. Oh, the title of her book is I Thought It Was Just Me, But It Isn't, Telling the Truth About Perfectionism and Inadequacy and Power by Brene Brown. Have you ever read yeah. any of Brene's stuff? Yes. Actually, I'm getting ready to read another one, Dare to Lead, I think is the one. I'm going to build a mentoring program for work off of it. Um, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm very familiar with her her work, um, her work on vulnerability, and uh, I've seen her TED Talks, and she makes a lot of great sense. I really like like what she's done with her uh she's a phd so she's a professor i don't remember which college she works at but she works somewhere um yeah i don't remember where she works either somewhere i think down in houston uh where she's a professor but she's absolutely brilliant um and she's got a really interesting you know history and backstory but she's a uh a, you know professed shame researcher and yes. uh, shame is one of those uh, things that you know really hasn't got a lot of attention in modern psychology um, and so she has, you know, done basically her life's work is revolved around, you know, trying to understand this and how it affects people and things like that. Yeah. Um, so this book really talks about shame and, um, it's really important to distinguish the difference between shame and guilt because they, uh, on the surface, they can seem similar. Uh, but right. shame is feeling bad about who you are and guilt is feeling bad about what you did. And that's the very yes. important thing to distinguish shame and guilt. Um, but mm -hmm. she goes in the book and talks about how shame can drive your, um, you know, sort of drive your behaviors and drive your thoughts and feelings. Right. And, uh, and there's ways to build shame resilience. So you don't, you know, fall into those same traps and things like that. Yeah. Um, 
And so I know we were kind of having fun with the previous segment, but uh, I mean, this, this is kind of heavy stuff, right? Um, right. But she's a really good writer. It's a very easy read. You, she doesn't get too technical, um, you know, in, down in, into the weeds with this stuff. Um, you know, the, the text flows very good. She's a, she's a great writer, although she talks about her struggle for writing uh, in, in this book actually a little bit. Um, but it's a, it's a very good book. And I, and she, um, started out her shame researching, you know, basically looking at women and shame and and the interaction there, um, you know, and how, you know, women experience shame and how they overcome shame and things like that. Um, but, and she's recently broadened out her, you know, her, um, uh, scope a little bit into men as well. Um, but I'd recommend this for both men and women, um, especially if you've ever been through something that's um, hard to get through, um, mm-hmm. or you've wondered why you do things the way you do, or you wonder why maybe um, your childhood affects you the way it does, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's a, it's an absolute fantastic book. Nice. I'll have to check that one out after I get done reading her other one. That's cool. Yeah, she's, she's got a lot of good books and uh, I'll yeah. probably list a couple more on here because uh, I think I've read most of her books at this point. That's all. How did you come by this one? How'd you find it? Cause I hadn't heard of this one yet. Um, I, you know, I, I always get into those rabbit holes, but, uh, this I think was on my, my list of things to read. And, um, I, I confess I didn't actually read it. I listened to it on audiobook, So I don't know if I get total credit there, um, but it's, but we ended up doing, uh, I think I took a trip somewhere and I, I listened to it, you know, between the, there and the back, I, I got through most of the book. Um, nice. but it, it's, a it's a, you know, it, it's really something that kind of, um, has a lot of interesting pieces to it. There are a couple chapters where I kind of lost interest with it. Uh, but for the most part, I'd say about 80% of the book, I was, I was pretty interested in what she had to say. Cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll have to check that one out. I had not heard of it yet. So that sounds like an interesting one. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's really interesting to me because, um, you know, if you, if you start to self-reflect, right. And look at, um, how does shame affect what you do and how you feel? Right. Um, I mean, this, this book will give you a lot to think about. It's, uh, it's not one that you should put on in the background and go do your, you know, laundry. And, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it's one that's really good if you're sitting there and driving can really kind of ponder some of this stuff and maybe pause it at certain spots and reflect a little bit. Yeah. Um, or, or maybe even listen to it twice or read it twice. Cause, uh, you know, there were some, some spots that I went back cause I have it both on the audiobook and the, and the Kindle. Um, you know, I went back and highlighted some things to go, go research. So, um, a lot, a lot of interesting stuff. Nice. Very cool. Not as interesting as mine, but we like it. It works. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got? I did something totally silly off the wall I didn't have much, but this this just appealed to me and it got me going. And so um, recently, um, I don't know what prompted it, but we had a wild hair in my house to watch War Games. And this is the 1983, I believe it. That's the year that it came out with Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy. And yes, you know, you have to do that Casey Kasem style. Oh, I, I don't even know how to do that Casey Kasem 1983. style. 1983. See, you do that. I can't do it. So I thought, you know what, this was, this was and the coolest thing about that. You remember watching this, these, these kind of movies, these cult classics from the eighties on that flat two dimension yep. TV box TV on the floor. And you're, you know, it's the kind where you have to lay on the floor to really get a good view. You know, did you get your twinkies so, out and like, you know, oh, are you kidding? I, I should have, <laughs> that would have been, that would have been the experience. Now, we does, to... this have, does this have legs? I mean, because, you know, you watch some old movies and you're like, eh, it really wasn't the way I remembered it. Right. So I've I've been noticing that, too. You go back and watch those cult classics as an adult. And you're like, oh, that has an entirely different meaning than what I remember it having. And I can't leave my parents. Let me watch that. Yeah. No, but this one holds. This one, I, I was kind of surprised. Yeah. This hold, it looks great on high def TV. You know, our, our big giant i've got what do i have in there 65 inch tv or something like that and so that three-dimensional look that we that we're so used to now go back and watch an old cult classic movie from the 80s and see how that sucker looks it is incredible to see the now, did they did the, you do you know did they remaster it I think to make they the did. colors and stuff look better the colors were really brilliant they were it was very realistic looking it was like watching something on primetime tv currently so it was I mean, because this was kind of ahead of its time back in the day, right? Yeah. I mean, as far yeah. as graphics and things like that go. Oh yeah, and I yeah, it was 
we were talking about that. Some of the computer graphics that they were using on the, the computer screens for the Whopper, which I still love that name. Um, it, it was all very much, very surreal, very cool looking because it was ahead of its time. It was amazing to watch back in the day. And then putting it on today's TV was even better. And the, the storyline, the plot still held up. It was a really cool movie. We were, I mean, we've seen it a couple of times. It was, I mean, I've seen it a couple of times and um, my guys seen it a couple of times as well. My kids watched it for the first time and they thought it was the coolest uh -huh. thing ever. They, they were holding on by the edge of their seat and we were too. And, you know, it was just, um, just to see something that old on TV today, it kind of brought life back into it. Um, definitely shows you how far we've come and when, it, when you talk about entertainment and technology and what, how, before you had to have a lot more imagination, you don't as much now, but right. go back to some of those old movies on your new TV and you just kind of get to relive the, the watching it for the first time. So it's kind of a different feel to it when you watch it. So it's, I thought it was cool. I had to share it. I'm, I'm looking forward to going back. I've seen Goonies on my big TV before, which you can't ever uh -huh. get enough of that. That's, a, that's hey definitely. Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many one-liners from that movie. Yeah, there's so many great lines. Now, War Games, I'm trying to remember, that was like nuclear annihilation, right, kind of theme? So it was one of those things where um, it started back, the, the premise of the movie started back um, like 10 years before that with this really super smart um, Steve Jobs or, um, oh, what's the Microsoft guy? Bill Gates. Bill those Gates. kind of super our computer guys put this computer system together that nobody else can do. And it was designed to teach um, for strategy, war strategy and things like that. And they taught it, they had to teach the computer how to learn, which is a big concept. Um, Cause you, it's not really something you can, you, you tell a computer how to operate, you tell it how to win a game and what moves to make. So it was and basically so it, AI before they had a term for AI, right? Yeah. And so the, the big climax of the movie is that the computer has to learn before it, before it, wipes out part of the u.s because that was part of the the game they were playing thermonuclear war was the game they were playing instead of a as the computer puts it a nice game of chess <laughs> so when so the, computer, the computer learns and it kicks everybody's ass and then there, there's some big crows it, it wants to and then you it the computer it's like set up to have a personality and it uh -huh. can talk with you and so oh kind of like siri yeah yeah it's, it's got that kind of feel to it it's it's it definitely some parallels there and so when the, you know, the main character, Matthew Broderick's character tells it, play tic-tac-toe, because once you figure out how to win tic-tac-toe, you can't ever win tic-tac-toe again. It's right. one of those where you learn you can't beat it ever again. And that's what, you know, that was the big, the big game breaker was the telling the computer to play tic-tac-toe with itself to realize, oh, you can't win. The best move is not to play at all. And that's how yeah. they got it to shut off from launching nuclear missiles on Ooh. the U.S. <laughs> right. So was, I just thought it was so... Cool. I hadn't seen it in like 20, 25 years or something like that. And seeing it on this, this new technology was just awesome. Um, I definitely, and now I would go back and watch it again because it just looked new and it didn't have that corny feel to it. You know, like some of those old cult classics can't have, but yeah, it was yeah. cool. Definitely recommend so it. Cool. Go, back and go back for that blast to the past and walk down memory lane. It's worth it. That is awesome. Have you ever asked Siri stupid questions? I do on the frequent. What do you Absolutely. ask Siri? Um, well, A, let's let's put this into context. She speaks in an Irish accent because of my Irish heritage. So I like to embrace her that way. And then I'll ask her strange things um, like, what's my what does my name mean? And then she'll say, Tara, I don't know. And I have to correct her. It's not Tara, Siri. It's Tara. <laughs> Tara, I'm not sure. No, no. You're saying it wrong. I'm not saying it wrong. It's like, no, we're not having this conversation. Say it right. You're like, and I'm like, done with you, Siri. Right. And Alexa has the same stupid problem. They keep mispronouncing my name. Um, I have her tell me jokes and I ask once in a while, my daughter will be in the room and she'll say, like, watch this mom, Siri, am I pretty? And my daughter's voice isn't programmed into my phone. And for some reason, Siri will answer her anyway. And it's like, oh, you little traitor. Like Siri, why do you answer my daughter? I don't know that one. <sighs> Come on. Have what you ever asked Siri to marry you? No, I don't know why. I no, she's female. Why would I ask? I'm I'm, in, I'm into dudes. I hadn't thought well, of this. Yeah, what did that's you true. Do Good point. Touche. Touche. <laughs> Watch this. So what did, what did, <laughs> hey Siri, will you marry me? 
My end user licensing agreement does not cover marriage. <laughs> What's great is she changes it up too. Oh, that's awesome. Hey Siri, will you marry me? Let's just be friends, okay? <laughs> She lets you down easy. That's nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's programmed to just be a nice Siri. <laughs> nice I wonder Siri. if you can change the programming and, you know, put in like, uh, uh, you know, oh, who's who's the guy from the movie that uh, um, is always dissing people? Um, oh, that could be anybody. I don't know who. Oh, what movie? What movie? He was in Pulp Fiction and. Uh, like, uh, yeah. the oh, my gosh. Not Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> you could put Samuel L. Jackson as Siri. I mean, that would be the greatest self-conversation you could ever have on the face you know of the planet. how many times he would drop the MF for bomb, though? Uh-huh. <laughs> have you seen the video uh, about Samuel L. Jackson, about the, the, the parents that are mad that their kids are watching the Samuel L. Jackson movies and getting the swears and everything? <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll have to find that. It's a comedy central kind of thing. Oh, that's funny. That is too funny. Oh my goodness. I don't we know. find some more stuff to ask Siri. Um, ask her if she thinks you're pretty. Hey Siri, do you think I'm pretty? I think you're great just the way you are. Oh, she's so sweet. <laughs> hey Siri, what's the best podcast? Naming that tune. Oh, she fails. Oh, you didn't program her correctly. I need to program her. You should have set that up. What's kind of crazy are... is uh, on the cartoons, you know, on the iTunes or, you know, CarPlay, because uh, I've got CarPlay now on the new car. Yeah. Um, you can just say, hey, Siri, plays Blotted or whatever, you know, you want her to play. And the one that cracks me up is she knows how to spell honky tonk, badonka donk. Play honky tonk, badonka donk. And every time she's like playing honky tonk, badonka donk. My gosh, that's Anyhow. funny. She's the AI. The, yeah, the AI. It's got us whipped in some occasions. Gotta love the AI. Gotta well, and what's really great is they can be programmed. So I know two guys. One has himself being identified as Big Daddy. So and, he, and it's on his Alexa too. So every time he comes in, and I don't know how he's got it set up. He's these are my IT guru guys. Uh huh. It's my IT overlords, and so when he's <laughs> When he's within some sort of field of his house that Alexa and the ring doorbells are attached to, it says, Big Daddy is leaving the building. Big Daddy has <laughs> entered the building. And at the first couple of times you find it funny, and after that you're like, seriously, turn it off. You're like, yeah. That's like we used to have this food drive thing at work. And, uh, you know, they would send you emails constantly about, oh, there's, you know, hot dogs in this place that you can buy for lunch, or there's donuts yeah. here that you can buy. And, you know, our our offices are spread out over an entire city, right? So it's not like you could just hop over and grab a hot dog. It's a 30 right. minute drive. I'm fairly you know. so, yes. so I program my computer with that Monty Python. We don't want any spam, you know, <laughs> thing, but it got to be really annoying. Cause then it was like five times a day. The computer would just randomly go, we don't want any spam. <laughs> I had to shut it off because people were getting ready to kill me. I had it set up um, trying to think what it was. There was a catchphrase. I office with a couple other guys and there's always some catchphrase that gets brought up. Um, oh, you know, something simple like, um, oh, Mamby Pamby was a word that we had going in the office for a little bit and uh -huh. and things like that. And so I had set one of my text message tones to um, say your name here or I have a text message or something you know, this isn't Mamby Pamby land, something stupid like that. So every time a text message would go off. So we have, we have some fun doing that with, uh, cause you, it's so neat to be able to program stuff like that into your phone or have it yeah. referred to as the, uh, you know, our IT overlord, which is what I keep encouraging <laughs> to do. Have your phone referred to you this way. It'll be so cool. I think you should change yours to yes, dear. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's so funny you say that. Can't do it. The, uh, I was just making fun of the, the gentleman that I date. Um, he has this joke with his dentist and every time she says, you know, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. And it's always something dental oriented. He's like, yes, dear. And he's telling <laughs> me this story. I'm like, now I know what that means. If you ever say it to me, I know. Uh -huh. I can see him saying that too. Yes. He tried uh -huh. it a couple of times. He got the look for me. I shot daggers at him from my eyes. He's like, uh -huh. what? I just, I'm just, I'm cooperating. I'm like, get away from me. I don't want to know. <laughs> You're like, not, nope. We are not uh -huh. friends. Uh -huh. <laughs> Wrong answer. Yeah. No joy. 
he'll he'll send me that one spell. Yes, dear. I'm yeah. Go home. <laughs> you don't have to go. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Get out. Well, with that, should we wrap this thing up? We probably should. We probably we've gotten we've done quite a bit tonight. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Biz and Mayhem podcast. If you like this episode, show us a little love by posting a review on iTunes. And don't forget to send us a few bucks on Patreon or PayPal. We'll love you forever because making a podcast is not free. To get the show notes for this episode, head over to bizandmayhem.com. That's B-I-Z-A-N-D-M-A-Y-H-E-M.com. And look for Season 1, Episode 7. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, have fun in the mayhem.